So fruitfulness, fruitfulness. This week we've got three different fruit we're talking about. Now we've talked already about the fruit of love. We've talked about the fruit of, uh, of peace, the fruit of joy. Uh, so this week we're going to talk about long-suffering, kindness, and goodness, right? Long-suffering, kindness, and goodness. Now, what was, let's see, everyone, everyone's heard me say this, if you've been here the last several weeks, what's the very first words uttered by God that was actually recorded in the Bible? God's first words to mankind. What was the first thing he said to humans recorded in the Bible? Anyone remember? Oh, yeah, there you go. See, that's why I repeat it every week. Genesis 1.28, then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful. The first, first words he uttered to humans was a blessing. I love it. I love it. No, God's supposed to be after you. God's supposed to be. He's got his eye on you. He's shaking his finger at you. No, he's not. His heart from the very beginning was a heart of blessing. I love that. That's God's mindset about you. When he created us, he wanted to bless us. And the first blessing he gave to us is this. Be fruitful. Produce fruit. You remember, the, the tree doesn't bear fruit for itself, does it? The tree bears fruit for others to enjoy the fruit. The tree bears fruit so it can multiply. Why? Because the fruit has seed. I love how Peter brought it up the other, maybe last week or the week before that, you know, some of the seedless fruit that we get, uh, that's when man starts tampering with fruit. <laughs> but the way God designed it, it has seed, right? I mean, let's, let's be honest. Who really wants to eat a seedless watermelon? Because that was the only time you could get away with spitting and mama wouldn't like fuss at you, right? You spit those watermelon seeds out. But, uh, and, you know, all the attempts to grow watermelon when you're a kid. You know, you save some of the seed and you're going to go out and try to bury it and see if you can grow it. So be fruitful and multiply. In blessing others, you present a way for yourself to have multiplication in your life, right? And here's the key. How can you be a blessing? How can, how can you bear fruit if you're not fruitful already? Or in other words, how can you be a blessing if you're not blessed? So it's already a given, in order to be a blessing, you're going to be blessed because we bless from the overflow of our life, don't we? So, so if God intends for you to be a blessing, it's just a giving that he's going to bless you. That's, that's, his, that's his mindset. Uh, so, so the word fruitful means producing fruit, especially in abundance. So when God said be fruitful, he meant make a lot of fruit. Be a lot of blessing. Isn't that awesome that the first several weeks of this year, the Lord has instructed us to study his word about just be a big blessing. Let it be your lifestyle. Move from a lifestyle from where you're not waking up in the morning saying, okay, what do I have to do this morning? What do I need to get done? I need to go to work, take care of this. I need to make sure I have this. You know, I got to go take care of me. But you wake up in the morning with the mindset of, Lord, you've given me this day. Who am I supposed to bless? How am I supposed to bless them? Help me to see those opportunities to be a blessing. Isn't that awesome? I get to be fruitful in an abundant way. Uh, I love this promise from Jeremiah, Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose hope is the Lord. We've read this every week. So blessed is the man who has faith, basically. 
For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters. It goes on to say, its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. If you have faith in the Lord, you stay plugged into the Lord, you are going to yield fruit. Even on your worst day, you have the potential to be a blessing. Even in your most trying times, you can be a blessing. That's powerful. That nothing in this world can stop you from being a blessing. And in order to be a blessing, you've got to be blessed to begin with. So that means even in your worst times in life, you can still receive blessings and be a blessing to be fruitful. But you got to trust him. It all starts with faith. It all starts with faith. Uh, Galatians 5. Now, actually, I think I skipped over it uh, with, with my clicker here. Jesus said in the book of John, he said, this is how you glorify the Lord. This is how you glorify the Father, that you bear much fruit and you'll be my disciple. So part of being a disciple is bearing fruit. And that your life, think about it, if you're living a lifestyle of bearing fruit, of, of blessing others, your lifestyle glorifies God. Everything you do in life is about glorifying God. That's huge. And that's what we're trying to be. We're trying to be his disciples this year. So we're, we're learning about being fruitful. Paul, uh, in Galatians chapter 5, he talks about some fruit. And this is, uh, this is known as the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, these nine attributes. Uh, again, I, I don't necessarily think this is an exhaustive list. Uh, I think there's a, we have an infinite God. We have the Holy Spirit as an infinite spirit. I think there's an infinite way he can bear fruit in our life. But I will say this, I've not mastered these nine. So this is enough to keep me busy in life as is. Uh, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Now, I've highlighted the ones we're going to talk about today. Long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. doesn't matter who's in power. doesn't matter what kind of government you live under. There's no government on earth that is going to write some kind of law that's going to keep you from bearing this kind of fruit and blessing folk. Now, the way that we're... Usually, usually we uh, study the fruit of the Spirit and we say, yeah, Holy Spirit, I need you to produce that in my life. I need to experience love. I need to experience joy. I need to experience... But notice it says fruit. And we've already determined that fruit is not for the tree itself. Fruit is for someone else to be blessed and for you to multiply. You do receive back because you're sowing seed when you bear fruit. And we already did a big deep dive into sowing seed, right? So you're sowing seed when you bear fruit, but the, but the fruit itself is for someone else. And so the challenge is, Lord, bear, bear this in my life, but teach me how to give it to someone. Teach me how to show love. Teach me how to be an agent of joy, an agent of peace. That's the challenge. That's the fun. And so this week, we're going to, Ask the Holy Spirit, teach us how to be agents of long-suffering, kindness, and goodness. So let's jump in real quick. Long-suffering, uh, some, some uh, translations calls it patient endurance, right? Now, you're going to have to team it with faith, right? In order to have endurance, it's because you believe in something, right? If, if you're going to wait something out, it's because you're, you've, you've got strong hope in something, Right? If, if you're going to get up and go to the gym every single day and work out and sweat 
and put your body through whatever, it's because you have faith or hope that you're going to be healthy because of it, right? Or if you're training to, to compete in, in bodybuilding or whatever, you have faith and trust that all this work you're putting in is going to reap good rewards and you're going to look good flexing your muscles, all that stuff, right? Otherwise, you're not going to get up and endure going to the gym and going through all that all the time, right? It's the same thing in life. If we're going to endure something, you know, maybe you're enduring where you're at on your job. You're like, man, I don't like this position I'm in. But the boss said, if I hang in there and if I show myself worthy, I'm going to get a promotion this time next year. So you hang your hope on that, right? And you endure. Same thing in life. Long-suffering or to have patient endurance, you're going to have to have faith, right? So faith is this. Faith is basically a, a simple explanation is confidence in God, right? Patient endurance is a refusal to give up. So if you're going to have long-suffering, that is a refusal to give up. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm not giving up. Uh, two of you ain't going to give up. I'm proud of you. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 6, verse 11 and 12, the author is saying this, And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope, he's talking about faith, until the end, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those. You remember we said discipleship was actually imitating the master, right? So imitate those through faith and patience. Everyone say faith and patience. Faith and patience or faith and long-suffering inherit the promises of God. If you're going to inherit the promises of God, you have to have faith and you have to have patient endurance or long-suffering to, to inherit the promises of God. So let me ask you a question. How important is it in your life to inherit the promises of God? To receive everything that God's promised you. How important is that? If it's very important... Make a quality decision today that you are not going to give up no matter what. No matter how hard life is, no matter how discouraging of news you may wind up getting on, on a particular day, you are not going to give up. You are going to have patient endurance. Lord, I am willing to wait as long as I have to for your word to come to pass in my life. If I have to wait eternity, that's the cool thing. If you're willing to wait eternity... Well, in the grand aspect, you know, the grand scheme of eternity, all things relative, you'll, you'll receive your promise in no time, right? <laughs> Say, well, it took 20 years. Well, compared to eternity, that's just a vapor, right? So, so it depends on your mindset. Now, he goes on to say this. Peter, go ahead and click it for me. This thing, maybe I'm not holding my mouth right today. Hebrews 13, 15, he goes on to say this, for when God made a promise to Abraham, oh, let's go backwards. One more. Yeah, go backwards for me. There we go. For when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself. So he makes this promise to Abraham, 
And, and he's swearing. Now, we all know that's a legal term. If you go to court, you put one hand on the Bible, and then you raise the other hand, and you say, I swear to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth. What are you doing? You are swearing upon the word. It's funny, with as secular as this society is trying to force itself to get, we still, in the court of law, put our hand on the most solid thing in the world, which is the word of God. And we swear by the word of God to tell the truth and nothing but the truth. God couldn't find anything greater than himself. So he puts one hand on himself and he swears, Abraham, I promise to do what I told you I was going to do. Otherwise, and because he swore, he's saying, if I don't do it, then I am not who I say I am. So God put himself on the line. It wasn't, it wasn't Abraham's idea. It was God's idea. Isn't that awesome to know that your inheritance, because everything he promised Abraham, also belongs to us, according to Galatians, because of our faith in Christ. Isn't it awesome to know that God is telling you, I promise I'm going to fulfill my promises in your life. Otherwise, I am not who I say I am. God's dead serious about this. And then he goes on to say, verse 14, saying, surely blessing I will bless you and multiplying I will multiply you. I love that word surely because that's a King James way of saying, Abraham, you can be sure about this. If there's anything you can be confident in, it's this. I'm going to do what I told you I would do. You can be sure about it. I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to multiply you. What is that? That's the original blessing. Be fruitful and multiply. It's going to take place. If you bear fruit, if you are willing for the Holy Spirit to bear fruit, to turn you into an agent of blessing, God is going to multiply you. He will, it's going to come back. You get to reap a harvest. Verse 15, and so after he had, there we are, patiently endured, or after Abraham had long-suffering he obtained the promise of God. So in other words, sometimes you just got to wait on the promise of God. It's all in his time. We have a microwave mindset in today's society, you know. Pop it in. Any, any of you, you know, you microwave some things. How many of you microwave? Okay, a minute 30. And then the whole time you're sitting there watching, you know, watching your popcorn or whatever it is you're microwaving. And you're watching. And even that's not going quick enough, right? You know, we live in a society where you put your order in uh, on the speaker, and then you want to be able to go up and pay and get your cheeseburger without tapping the brakes hardly, right? <laughs> you know? And God forbid we got to air fry something, right? Hey, I'm going to air fry these nuggets. Oh, man, six minutes, and then I got to turn them over and go another six minutes. That's 12 minutes. Who's got 12 minutes, right? While all along your grandma's up in heaven looking over the balcony and shaking her head at this whole idea of air frying. It says frying with air. What is this stuff? But yet in the kingdom of God, it's patient endurance. It's long suffering. You make up your mind. I have so much faith in God. I have so much faith in his word. I'm not going to give up. I don't care if it takes 25 years. I don't care if it takes months on end. I am not going to give up. I know what God's word has to say, and I'm not going to give up. I'm going to stand on his word. Now, here's the, here's the challenge. You're to bear the fruit of long-suffering. 
So what is it about you and your words and your lifestyle that leaves a blessing of long-suffering to somebody when you leave the room? What is it that you can say? What is it that you can do? What is it that you can testify about? That when you leave someone's presence, they sit there and say, you know what? I woke up this morning. I was going to throw the towel in, but man, I'm not going to give up after talking to so-and-so. Man, I'm not. I think I'm going to trust in God. I think I'm, I think I'm going to hang in there. I'm not giving up today. Wouldn't that be incredible to be that kind of people? That all of a sudden we have a reputation that when folks get, hey, if you'll, if you'll find someone in this neighborhood that, that hangs out at Gathering Church, man, you're going to walk away. You're going to feel like not giving up on anything. You're going to trust the word of God more than you ever have. Wouldn't that be incredible? That's awesome fruit. I've tried to bear that fruit in my life over the last couple of years with some of y'all. Some of y'all have been facing major dragons. And I probably sounded like a broken record to some of you. <laughs> Don't give up. God's word is more true than what you're going through. Hang in there. God's going to come through. Trust me. He hadn't forgotten about you. Hang in there. What was I trying to do? I was trying to bear fruit. May have not been the greatest tasting fruit at the time. <laughs> some of you may have wanted to punch me at the time. When you're in the foxhole, and here I am saying, nope, God's word's, God's word's more true than all these bombs going off around you. But it is true. And you're still sitting around here as evidence of that. Amen? <laughs> so that's my challenge to you this week. Figure out a way to keep someone from giving up. Figuring out a way to share how God has been faithful to you in such a way that they're like, you know what? If he'll be faithful to that person, he'll be faithful to me too. And I'm not going to give up. So that's long-suffering. Everyone say long-suffering. Patient endurance. All right. Hang on, Peter. I'm going to try to hold my mouth right. Let me get a little closer. Well, all right. I'll tell you what. Go ahead, Peter. You're my man. Kindness. <laughs> Kindness. Some translations call it graciousness. Kindness. This is something I try to live by. Uh, I do my best. I don't always conquer it every day, but if you're ever given the choice to be right or be kind, choose kind. You know, what good is it to win the debate, but you've lost a friend? What good is it to show your spouse that you were in the right after all, but you've hurt your spouse, right? Truth is truth. Truth will prevail. If you are in the right, it will show itself eventually. Just know that that's, that's part of God's law. Truth will prevail. You don't have to defend truth. Truth needs no defense. God is truth. I need to defend God. You're going to defend God? Good luck. <laughs> I don't think God needs a defense. I think he's perfectly capable of uh, showing himself as he chooses. And truth will prevail. So concentrate on being kind. Being kind, showing kindness, right? That's uh, one thing that you don't get much of, especially when you look at the media and everything else. Everyone wants to take sound bites and everyone wants to be upset and offended and mad because everyone wants to be right. Our job is to bear the fruit of kindness. Well, if I... If I'm kind to somebody, does that, they may think that I approve of them. Don't worry about that. 
Truth is truth. Truth will prevail in your life. You just stand on the Word of God. You live the Word of God the way you know how to live the Word of God. And you show kindness. You bear the fruit of kindness. Matter of fact, go to the next slide for me, Peter. I want to take you to Proverbs 11. And this is really interesting. And unfortunately, the impact of this scripture kind of gets lost in the English translation. I mean, it's good as is, you know, like when we read it in English, but uh, it's, there's a much more meat there when you kind of dig into some, some of the backstory. So in Proverbs chapter 11, Solomon is, is doing a lot of comparisons. This, this person is like this, while this person is like this. This object is like this, while this object is like that. He's comparing kind of good and bad things, right? And so we get to this, and he says, a gracious or a kind woman retains honor, but ruthless men retain riches. Now, especially in today's very charged uh, topical environment, you know, we can, our, our attention can be drawn to a comparison of genders here. He's not comparing genders. He's actually comparing graciousness or kindness to ruthlessness or being heartless and mean, right? So that, that's the subject. Now, he uses the two genders to get his point across, and we'll, we'll kind of break it down even more. But this shows the power of kindness, right? So, so he's saying kindness or graciousness offers this, while ruthlessness, heartlessness, riches. The insinuation with Solomon is that anyone can make money. You can get out and work. You can earn money. You can save money. Anyone can make money. Money is there. But graciousness brings honor. And we don't put a lot of stock in honor in today's society, do we? Because the, think about most of the celebrities that, we, that society as a whole goes nuts over. The reason why we're going nuts over them is because their faith gets a lot of exposure in movies or television or on the internet. And they got a lot of money. And because of that, everyone's like, woo, look at that person. I got my picture taken with that person. Or I actually saw that person driving by or whatever. And yet these people can go live any way they want, live a life full of debauchery and craziness. And hey, but they got money and they're popular. Woohoo, right? Well, there's no honor in that. Honor is pretty powerful. Honor, you don't even need money. Think about it. Honor makes a way for you. How, how many of you still have maybe grandparents or great-grandparents that are still alive and still with us and are able to uh, come to family events, right? Think about Christmas dinner. All of a sudden, grandma's going to show up, and we're going to honor grandma, right? All of a sudden, grandma comes in the house. Man, you start making grandkids move out of the way. You know, hey, baby, get up out of that chair. Grandma's going to sit there. And then all of a sudden, you know, your parents are like, Hey, mama, what do you want on your plate? I'll go fix your plate for you. You tell me what you want. Grandma doesn't even have to get up and go get her plate. Matter of fact, she's probably been driven. Somebody in the family probably went and picked her up, brought her over to the house, right? Make sure, oh, make sure, hey, hey turn, turn that heat up. Turn that heat up. We don't want grandma to get cold. All of a sudden, the temperature changes. Why? Why? Because everybody's honoring the patriarch or the matriarch of the family, right? Everyone's honoring. What is that? This honor. Or you let somebody 
of great honor walk in the room, boy, the whole atmosphere changes. Everybody, everyone wants to make sure, you okay? Hey, you want this? You want that? You need this? You need that? Why? Because they're honoring them. Whether, whether they have money or not, boy, honor will make a way for you. And so what he's saying is with kindness or graciousness. Now, why, the power is the fact that he did point out men and women in this. Well, if you think about the time that Solomon lived, women were pretty much second-class citizens, right? If you were married, well, you were pretty much property of your husband. If you weren't married and still living in your family's house, you were your dad's property, right? And so women did not have near the civil liberties that men had. And it's not that most men really had a lot of civil liberties either <laughs> with, with uh, the way that some of the structure of the government was back then. So basically, here are women who basically have one hand tied behind their back to do anything in life, and yet he's saying graciousness or kindness will even get women who typically wouldn't be considered, you know, you would think that, oh, well, the men of this town or the men of this village or the men of this region, they get the honor. But Solomon, the most wise man on the planet, says, no, Honor, graciousness and kindness can even get women honor. Where ruthlessness, ruthless men, oh, they get to retain their money. Big deal. Everyone can make money. But honor, honor is reserved for only an elite few. And so what he's trying to articulate is those who aren't considered normally worthy kindness and graciousness can even get them honor. That's pretty powerful. So maybe you work in a hostile work environment where nobody likes each other and management is suspicious of employees, right? I always crack me up about some workplaces. Hey, we're going to hire you, but as soon as we hire you, we got our eye on you because we don't trust you. Well, then why'd you hire me, right? <laughs> it's kind of one of those things. Right? But, but even in the midst of that, Kindness, well, it can get you some honor. It can get you favor. Because with, kind, with honor comes favor, grace, protection. Especially in these days. You know, back when Solomon was writing. Matter of fact, hop to the next, hop to the next verse. So it's, it's powerful that Solomon would use women and talk about women in the light of honor and integrity and influence and power. Just like the, you know, we, we hear a lot about the Proverbs 31 woman, right? And it, unfortunately, uh, there have been a lot of folks that have used this chapter to, you know, fuss at women almost. Like, see, this is the way, look, look at Proverbs 31 woman. That's the kind of woman you need to try to be. And, you know, and Proverbs 31 woman. Proverbs 31 woman knows how to keep a house. Knows how to take care of children. Knows how to take care of the husband. She's industrious and all this stuff. What are you doing these days? You know, it, it's almost, I've seen it weaponized. And actually, it, it, Solomon was actually trying to say all these incredible qualities can even elevate women in the society he lived in. He was trying to show how awesome these qualities can, can actually be a blessing to people. Even those who struggle more than others, Right? Praise God, we live in the, in the times that we live in now. I'm not saying that things are perfectly equal, but they've come a whole long way, right? So, so look, at, 
look at uh, what he's saying here in 31 verse 26. Everyone still with me? All right. Says that she opens her mouth in skillful and godly wisdom, and on her tongue is the law of kindness, giving counsel and instruction. Now that's interesting because usually counsel and instruction would be given by the elder men out at the gate of the of the city. Well, I need some counsel. I need some instruction. Well, you'd go out to the gate of the city, you know, sitting there by the wall. And there'd be some of the old guys of the city. And you'd go get counsel from them. But Solomon is saying, no, this woman who's robed in kindness, man, you, you can actually go to her. And said that, why? Because on her tongue is the law of kindness. Now, this word law, the word law actually means something that, you, that dictates your life, right? Something that influences every decision of how you live. The laws of the land dictate how we function, right? And so this is the law of kindness. That means everything that's coming out of her mouth is ruled by kindness. And because of that, she's skillful in the way that she articulates. She's full of godly wisdom. That kindness can have that kind of impact. Now, I don't think this is just good, good food for women to try to pattern themselves after. I think every man in this house would be doing good if we could pattern ourselves after this as well. Is every word that's coming out of our mouth, even if it's a correctional word, is it laced in the law of kindness? Sometimes you have to speak truth, but it, we're to speak truth in love. And sometimes truth hurts, <laughs> but you speak it in love. You speak it out of kindness. There's been times I've had to issue a correctional word to someone. And it's hard because I knew, man, this is going to hurt. This is going to hurt their feelings. They're not going to receive this well, but they need to hear it. As a pastor, sometimes you have to do that, right? I'm trying to shepherd folks, so sometimes it's like, hey, get, get, get back in the pen, <laughs> right? And yet, yet I also have to make sure it's, it's, it's robed in kindness as well, in love. All right, go to the next one for me. We're, we're actually going to hop backwards in this chapter, but look, look at what kindness does for this woman. And it can do it for every single one of us. It says, a capable and intelligent and virtuous woman. Who is he who can find her? She is far more precious than jewels and her value is far above rubies and pearls. Rubies or pearls. Now, the, the unfortunate thing, the way I've heard this preached a lot is, you know, Proverbs 31 woman, man, because she knows how to keep a home and she knows how to raise kids and do all this stuff. She's more precious than rubies and jewels and pearls and all that stuff. No, what actually makes this woman more precious than jewels and rubies and pearls? It has nothing to do, we haven't even gotten to the, the way that she keeps a house. It says that she's capable, intelligent, and a virtuous woman. That talks about her spiritual walk. She's virtuous, so she has virtue, or a moral character, which is, which is directly uh, related to her plugging into God, Right? So that's what makes her valuable. That, that's what makes her. So, so men, I will say this about, about your ladies. If you have a wife, and if she loves the Lord, and if she's, and if she's uh, a prayer warrior, if she seeks after God, you have, you have something that is more precious than rubies, right? More precious than jewelry. My, let me tell you something about my wife. I've probably had five different people say this to her, unrelated to each other. The people that have known me for years, and when they finally meet Erica, 
all of them have said this common thread. They say, you're the best thing to ever happen to him. And I concur, she is. But not just because she knows how to keep a house or she knows how to cook. Actually, she's, she's got it easy. She doesn't have to cook very much. Between Riley and myself, she doesn't have to cook very much. She's, man, she hit the jackpot. <laughs> However, she did cook last night, and it was good. It was really good. Wasn't it good, Riley? It was very good. She cooked last night. Uh, even fixed my plate for me. I said, "Woo, glory to God. Look at that Proverbs 31 woman fixing my plate. No. <laughs> Anyways. But the, but the biggest thing I cherish about her is the fact that she is a praying woman. She talks to me about the word of God. There's times that she preaches to the pastor the word of God. If I'm in the wrong mode, she's even called. She'll say, Pastor Dave, I don't like your attitude. And she'll speak the word of God. And then I say, I, don't, I didn't ask you about my attitude. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> I actually receive it because <laughs> she's usually true. The heart of her husband trusts in her confidently and relies and believes in her securely so that he has no lack of honest gain or no need for dishonest spoil. She comforts, encourages, and does him only good as long as there is life within her. Look at everything that comes from a spirit of kindness. Again, this is good food for us men. Could you imagine how much we'd bless our families if this was our mindset and our attitude? And how much we'd bless our co-workers and our neighbors and everyone else. So this week, bear the fruit of kindness. Don't worry so much about being right. Bear the fruit of kindness. Ah, it's still not going to work. We gotta, y'all pray. We're going we're gonna to get this fixed one day. All right, Peter, go to the next, go to the next one for me. Finally, we're going to talk about goodness. Everyone still with me? We got one more fruit to go. All right, goodness. <laughs> One more fruit to go. Goodness. And someone say, goodness. That's how I hear it a lot in my life. Just, oh, goodness. Goodness. It's the disposition to do good, goodwill, kindness, charitableness, the love of mankind, accompanied with the desire to promote their happiness. Isn't that a cool mindset to have, to wake up in the morning and have a mindset of goodness? And you can do that. Go hop to the next slide for me, Peter. Psalm 105 says this, for the Lord is good. That, mean, that means his mindset is charitable, charitableness, goodwill, a love for mankind, and a desire to see mankind happy. That's what being good is, right? For God so loved the world. He loved the world so much he gave his only begotten son that whosoever shall believe shall not perish but have everlasting life. That's a good God. It says that the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. I, I think I used up all of God's mercy today. No, he didn't. He's got a whole fresh batch right out of the oven waiting for you. And his truth endures to all generations. That means when one generation dies out, well, the next generation gets to enjoy his truth, his word, and stand on his word and stand on his covenants. That's a good God. Go to the next one. Matter of fact, the book of Acts says it this way. Talks about Jesus, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were sick. Healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. 
That means that Jesus himself, who that's who we're disciples of, right? We're trying to emulate and copy Jesus. So Jesus himself went about doing good, which meant he went about with a disposition to do good. He went about doing goodwill, kindness, charitableness, the love of mankind. Uh, He was loving on mankind, and he had a desire to promote their happiness. That's a pretty cool Savior, right? Not only that, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with them. How many understand that God is with you? He even said that. Fear not, for I am with you, right? God's with you. He's not against you. He's with you, right? Now, notice it says that Jesus was anointed with what? The Holy Spirit and with power. What do you have living in you if you are a a believer in Christ Jesus? What have you been filled with? The Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit that anointed Jesus of Nazareth and gave him power to do what? Go around doing good. Guess what you are anointed and empowered to do? Good. (laughs) To go around doing good. And you are empowered to heal all who are oppressed by the devil. You can do you can do that. You have the authority. Jesus said right after his resurrection, he said, all authority, he told the disciples, all authority on earth and in heaven has been given to me. And then he turns around and he gives us that authority. It's the same concept as you say, well, I don't have the authority to do that. I'm just so-and-so. And I live on such and such street. And I just do this for a living. How do I have any authority over the devil? It's no different than uh, uh, what's uh, Alex, who lives in the townhouse. His last name is, uh, I'm, I'm forgetting his last name. I met him when I first moved into the neighborhood. He moved in about the same time, and he's, he's an Arlington police officer. Been on the floor. Officer Alex. Well, you see him sometimes, and he's just a Viridian resident. But if you tear off out of here because I preach too long and you're hungry, and you decide that you're going to hurry up and try to get to lunch, and you run a red light, and Alex happens to see you, and he's on duty, well, one of Arlington's finest is going to pull you over, right? And when he gets out of the car, and he goes up to you, and he asks for license and registration, and you go, why? You're just Alex. You live in Viridian. I've seen you there. He's got a badge on, right? And that badge says that at that moment, he is not Alex. At that moment, he is part of the Arlington Municipal Government, and he is the arm of that government that is enforcing the laws that that government has deemed it will uh, govern its people by, right? And, and part of that law says that you can't run a red light without uh, potentially facing the consequences of that. Well, it's the same thing for him to represent Arlington When you walk out into this world, you're not just so-and-so who lives on such-and-such street. You have the blood of Jesus on you that you wear as a badge and the Holy Spirit that empowers you. And so you get to be the branch of the kingdom of God that says, the word of God says this, so I am going to advance that in my world. And the word of God says, in the kingdom of God, no one has to be oppressed by the devil. So when you go see your friend who is dealing with some form of oppression, whether it's a physical illness, whether it's uh, he's mentally oppressed by the, by the enemy or emotionally oppressed or spiritually oppressed by the enemy, you have all right to say, 
In the name of Jesus, Satan, I command you to take your hands off my friend. He, the Bible says that God did not give us the spirit of fear, but the power of love and a sound mind. So in the name of Jesus, the word of God is more real than anything else. You have the ability to pray over your friends and rebuke the enemy off of them. And that's part of doing good. <laughs> that's part of having benevolence for your fellow man. For having love for your fellow man and wanting them happy. Amen. So be praying about that. Go, go ahead and go to the next slide for me. We're done. Everyone stand. Everyone say glory to God. <laughs> it's God's plan for your life to be fruitful. To bear fruit. And these are the kind of fruit that we're concentrating on. Love. Joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, kindness. Now you've got, all, you, you've, got, you've got six fruit in your arsenal now that you can go bear. That you can pray, Lord, help me to bear one of these fruit to give to somebody this week. Someone this week may need to hear it from you. Don't give up. Hang in there. God's still got his word. His word is still true. God's going to take care of you. Someone this week needs to hear, someone needs to hear, hey, God is good. He's not against you. He has some good thoughts for you. He has good intentions for you, right? Some folks need to hear, hey, you're loved. Hey, you just be at peace. Don't freak out. I know it's a mess you're going through, but just, just be at peace. Rest in God's goodness. Someone needs to hear something from you, experience some kind of fruit from you. And in doing so, you get to rejoice. You get to go back home and say, I got to be one of your disciples today, God. It's not super complex, you know. We don't have to wear a certain kind of clothes or shave our head a certain kind of way or chant some kind of chant to be a disciple of Christ. It starts out by bearing fruit. By submitting our life to him and bearing fruit. Let's all bow our heads. Before we sing one last time as a family, we're going to pray. Lord, we love you. Help us. Help us to bear fruit. Help us to be a tree planted by the water. Who in every season of life we bear fruit. That our leaf won't wither. But the folks can come to us and they can experience some form, some part of your personality, Jesus in the form of fruit that we can be a blessing to others we can be an encouragement to others that we can show love to others even when we're going through a drought in our life we can still bear that fruit for others Lord thank you, thank you so much if you're here and you've never asked Jesus Christ to be Lord of your life I, I invite you to do so matter of fact there's a fun formula we tell the kids at Beach Club we say as easy as ABC ask Ask for forgiveness. I've made a mess of my life, Lord. Forgive me for all the ways I've been wrong. B, believe. Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins and that you rose again. And you are who you say you are. C, it's confess. The Bible says if you believe in your heart that he rose again and confess that he is Lord, that you can be saved. And so we confess, Jesus, you are Lord. You are master of my life. 
speak it out. And then find someone to tell them, hey, I just asked Jesus to be Lord of my life. We can welcome you in the family. So I invite you to do that if you never have. Lord, bless us. Help us to be fruitful people. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing one more time as a family before we're dismissed.